Hey, this is Chris. Before we get to the show, let me tell you a little bit about Anchor. Anchor is our way of we record podcasts. Fantastic. Let me tell you why. It's easy. It's free. There are creation tools that we can record and edit your podcast right from your phone and your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on such um, providers as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need in a podcast and so much more. Check out Anchor, and you can find it all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anchor, it's a fantastic way of creating your first podcast and making it work. Hi guys, welcome to our midweek devotion. Uh, a day late, sorry about that, but hopefully uh, no major inconvenience to you. Uh, today we are going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 as we continue just these few uh, series of devotions from the book of 1 Corinthians heading into the Lenten season. And so before we begin, let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day. We pray that you'd speak to our hearts by your word, through your spirit. And would you show us how you want us to respond and apply this to our lives so that we wouldn't simply be hearers of your word, but that we would be doers as well. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Uh, we're going to begin at verse uh, 16. Yes, verse 16, sorry. Where Paul says, For if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting. For necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. And so the Apostle Paul here laying out that the fact that he's a preacher of the gospel for him is not a source of boasting. It's not a source of, look at me, look how special I am. He, he simply says, necessity is laid upon me. Uh, the, the word necessity there means something that's imposed by one's duty or one's circumstances. So Paul's saying, I have no choice but to preach the gospel because he lives with this sense of duty and obligation uh, to preach the gospel. And he goes so far to say, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Uh, so he's even calling down uh, a sense of curse upon himself if he doesn't preach the gospel. It's a little bit uh, strongly worded, but you get the sense of it, that Paul would be in shame and disgrace in his eyes if he did not preach the gospel. Verse 17, for if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if not of my own will, I am still entrusted with a stewardship. So Paul says that he's been entrusted with a stewardship from God. That It wasn't something that he woke up one day and said, I think I want to be a preacher. God called him to this, and he sees himself as being entrusted with a stewardship. And the word stewardship there means to manage a household, that he has a responsibility to be a preacher of the gospel because that's a position that God has assigned to him. And... It goes along with what scripture tells us that uh, if anyone would be a teacher, that's great to aspire to it, but also know that being a teacher means that you're held to a higher standard uh, because of what you teach. And so it's not necessarily something that somebody wakes up and says, I want to do that. Um, there, there's a big responsibility. I, I know for myself, I did not wake up and say, I want to be a preacher. Um, I felt the call of God to do it. I fought that call. I resisted uh, like many uh, prophets uh, can't say uh, 
it was a good thing, but simply how it was. I really didn't want to stand up in front of people and preach the word of God. Uh, that was not something that I wanted. Uh, that was something that God put upon me to do. And so I, I feel like Paul did this obligation to preach the gospel. In verse 18, he says, Then what is my reward? That in my preaching I may present the gospel free of charge, so as to not make full use of my right in the gospel. So Paul talks elsewhere about how uh, the laborer is worth his wages, uh, that you should be able to make your living by preaching the gospel. Uh, sometimes people use this to say that preachers shouldn't uh, make their living doing this, and you might be saying, well, of course, you're defending it, you're a preacher. Uh, but there, there are several New Testament passages that deal with this. Paul's saying here is, obviously we know that Paul spent time as a tent maker because he didn't want to be uh, in a place of uh, having to charge or make people feel like they had to give in order for him to come and to preach. Uh, so his reward, instead of a financial reward, which as you look around our day and age, certainly there there can be a financial reward to preaching the gospel with churches of 30 and 40,000 uh, preachers living in mansions. Uh, there can very easily be a financial benefit. Uh, but that's not the reward Paul's looking for. Paul's reward is that he can preach it free of charge and not have to be a financial burden on his hearers. In verse 19, he says, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessing. So, Paul presents a very significant principle by which he uh, operated with in ministry, and that is when he was ministering to the Jews, he conducted himself as if he was Jewish. When he was ministering to the Gentiles, he conducted himself as if he were a Gentile. Now, a lot of people get very uncomfortable with what Paul's saying here. And I want us to understand that Paul is, is never compromising the message. He's never compromising the gospel. So Paul wants to live his life in such a way and be not only a follower of Jesus, but also be a good Jewish person that when he preaches to a Jewish audience, they don't discredit him saying, well, you don't follow the Jewish customs. Paul could say, yes, I do. Now, if he's preaching to a Gentile audience, he's not going to talk about the ways that he keeps the Jewish laws and the Jewish traditions because he doesn't want the Gentile audience to think that following Jesus means you have to embrace uh, Jewish practices, that it's all about the gospel of grace, it's not about works, it's not about the law, it's not about Judaism. So how do we take that principle and apply it today? Because again, Paul is never changing the message. He's changing the way he delivers the message. Okay, when 
Paul presents the gospel to a Jewish audience. I'm sure he's going to talk about the law of Moses and how we fall short of that law and how uh, the prophets talked about a deliverer who would come uh, to provide forgiveness and redemption for the people of God. All of that's going to be part of the presentation. But he's never going to compromise uh, the core teaching of the gospel. The, his means of getting there might be different. Now, when he's speaking to a Gentile audience, naturally he's not going to talk about Jewish laws and Jewish customs. Now, we see an example of this in Acts when he preaches and he looks at all of these uh, statues to different gods. And Paul doesn't say, hey, you know, chapter and verse in the law, you shouldn't be making these. This is an abomination. This is evil. There's only one God and you need to worship him. He simply observes all of these different statues, all of these different idols, and says, hey, you guys are really religious, but you've got this one statue to an unknown God. I want to tell you about who that God is. It's all about finding a way to connect with the audience he's trying to reach, which is what he's getting into here. So how do we put this in practical terms? In practical terms, Again, this is about the gospel. Everything surrounding the gospel is secondary and open to uh, take or leave as the situation determines. So if you want to be a minister of the gospel to 16-year-old skateboarders, I wouldn't suggest going up to them in a three-piece suit with a King James Bible there's automatically going to be, uh, let me back up. Whenever we preach the gospel, there are cultural gulfs in between us and our audience. And the gospel itself creates that gulf that we have to cross over. Now, we can add other things that simply make that gulf larger. Okay, if you are going to minister to 16-year-old skateboarders and conduct yourself and look the part of a 16-year-old skateboarder, provided it's authentic to who you are. Okay, I know some guys in their 40s who could probably pass for 16-year-old skateboarders. A guy like me, uh, I could not pass as a 16-year-old skateboarder. Uh, that's never been my culture, never been my thing, uh, that's never been my tribe. Uh, so it would be very disingenuous. It doesn't mean I can't do it, uh, but I'm certainly going to alleviate as many obstacles as possible. The closer you can stay to that audience, the easier it's going to be to bridge that gulf in communicating the gospel. Otherwise, you're simply adding more barriers. Uh, how you dress, how you talk, how you conduct yourself, you're simply adding barriers along the way. Uh, let's say that you are trying to reach a hip-hop audience. Uh, again, uh, if you are a 65-year-old white guy, uh, with the King James Bible, you, you've taken a gulf that could be like this, and you've now made it exponentially bigger. So what Paul's trying to do is keep that gulf as short as possible. So he can be authentically himself, but at the same time be relatable to a different audience, depending on his circumstances. This is a basic missionary principle. Uh, if you want to be a missionary in a Middle East country, it's probably not a great idea to pull out your American flag t-shirt as you're sharing the gospel. It doesn't mean that you have to abandon your love for this country, but you're creating extra gulfs, extra barriers 
to your presentation of the gospel. So Paul's aim here is to make that gulf as narrow as possible. If he's talking to a Gentile audience, if he starts bringing in Jewish laws, Jewish customs, he's going to make that gulf bigger. If he's talking to a Jewish audience and he throws caution to the wind with Jewish laws and customs, he's creating a bigger barrier. Now, let's take this a different way. If if God has called you to minister to senior citizens, okay, it might be helpful to you to wear a suit and use a King James Bible. If you come up to them with a t-shirt and jeans, flip-flops, and uh, the message, by a translation, uh, you've taken that gulf and you've now uh, created obstacles to that. So hopefully that makes sense. In terms of Paul trying to adapt his ministry to his audience, but again, never changing the message. The message of the gospel doesn't change. Okay, You can take the same gospel message, preach it in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, preach it in Miami, Florida, preach it in Los Angeles, California, teach it in Toronto, teach it in Moscow, uh, teach it in uh, Jordan, uh, teach it in Hong Kong. Uh, that gospel is the same. But the packaging, the manner in which we present the gospel, that adapts to the audience that we're trying to reach. Again, not to be bait and switch, not to be disingenuous to who we are. Uh, we are simply trying to remove as many obstacles as possible to presenting the gospel to the audience we want to reach. And this is why I am an advocate of various types of Christian music. Um, I know so sometimes we can take certain things and we can canonize them, uh, like the hymns are canon. And the hymns are beautiful and there's a place for hymns, but also realize that hymns were trying to take the popular music of the time and use that to teach theology and help people connect with God. That's all the hymns were. Uh, typically secular songs, uh, sometimes even bar songs. Uh, take that, put some Christian lyrics to it, and now you've got your hymn. And so in today's day and age, we have the same thing with contemporary Christian music. Uh, we have the music of the culture, that we've taken that style of music, that genre of music, and we've put gospel lyrics in them and using that to reach a target audience. And it's an issue that I'm really passionate about because Christian music was a big part in getting the gospel to me and making my heart open to the gospel. That was a huge factor, and it is for a lot of people. And so as believers and as churches, I think it does as well to think through who are we trying to reach? Okay, what is our community like? Uh, what's the demographics of our community? Uh, if the demographics are, of our community are 40-year-olds uh, with uh, school-aged children, are you creating obstacles to the gospel or removing obstacles to the gospel in the way that you conduct yourself, in the way that your church conducts itself? Okay. And again, there's, there's no necessarily right or wrong answer to that. Uh, you might say, hey, we're going to be a suit and tie hymn singing church, uh, regardless of our community. That's fine. But understand that your church probably won't be effective in reaching your community. 
Now, it might be very effective in reaching some different communities or different cultures, or maybe a very specific subset of your community, but just be aware of that heading in. Uh, if you're, if the demographics of your community uh, are 80 and 90 year olds, and you're trying to be uh, very uh, contemporary and energetic in your services, there might be a subset in that culture somewhere, but you're not going to reach your greater community. Again, sometimes as churches, we focus on who do we have and what do our people want? And I get that. But at the same time, if our churches are here with a mind of, we want to reach our community, how do we do that? And that's going to be a tension of balance of, okay, what if our people are different from our community? Okay, now we've got some problems. Now we have some uh, points of tension that we need to resolve. Uh, how do we honor who we have, but also uh, do what we're here to do, and that is reach out to, to our community. And it's not always easy to do that. But this is the tension that Paul's wrestling with, of trying to connect as best he can with his intended audience when preaching the gospel. And removing as many uh, barriers or trying to keep that gulf from being bigger than it has to be in communicating the gospel. Uh, so something for us to think about for our lives and our churches. So let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for the example of the Apostle Paul. I pray, Lord, that each one of us would feel that same burden, that necessity would be laid upon us to share the gospel with others. Lord, that we would even say, woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. And Lord, may we find ways to connect with those that we desire to reach, uh, to remove the barriers, to shorten the gulf as much as we possibly can, so that nothing would hinder them from hearing your message. Lord, may we keep ourselves out of the way. May we keep our preferences out of the way, so that your gospel can be clearly presented. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you. Thank you so much for tuning in uh, this week, whether live or uh, at another time. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, share this with your friends if you think it would be helpful or encouraging to them. And Lord willing, we'll see you back here next week. But until next time, God bless you.